Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. This morning, we are finishing up our study, not only in the book of Esther from the Septuagint, but our study of Purim for this year, 2023. I sure hope that it's been a blessing to all of you. Um, Obviously, it's been a lot of work for me. This will be the fourth day in a row to study and to produce the podcast and so I just hope that uh, that you've all been blessed and uh, strengthened as a result of to, of this week's study in Esther and this week's study of the Feast of Purim. Today we are looking at chapters 5 through 10 of the Septuagint. And right out of the gate you're going to see some interesting things about uh, that you didn't hear in the previous study out of the King James about this interaction that Esther has as she goes before the king. And uh, you'll also see God's involvement uh, with the king's heart in the matter. And uh, so, that's just to set the stage. Let's just dig right in and uh, get started. The Book of Esther, Chapter 5, from the Septuagint. Let's begin. And it came to pass on the third day, When she had ceased praying, and she put off her mean dress and put on her glorious apparel, and being splendidly arrayed and having called upon God the overseer and preserver of all things, she took her two maids and leaned upon one as a delicate female, and on the other following, bearing her train. So please note, remember, last week we ended, or yes, I'm sorry, yesterday morning we ended, uh, with Esther saying, all right, I'll do this. I'll go before the king, even though it could mean death. If I die, I die. Please fast and pray for three days. And so that's what she's done. And now she's preparing to go before the king. And she was blooming in the perfection of her beauty. And her face was cheerful. And it were benevolent. But her heart was strained for fear. And having passed through all the doors, she stood before the king. And he was sitting upon his royal throne. And he'd put on all his glorious apparel and covered all with gold and precious stones and was very terrible. And having raised his face, resplendent with glory, he looked with intense anger. And the queen fell and changed her color as she fainted. She bowed herself upon the head of the maid that went before her. But God changed the spirit of the king's gentleness. In intense feeling, he sprang up off his throne. He took her into his arms until she recovered. And he was comforting her with peaceable words. And he said to her, What is the matter, Esther? I am thy brother. Be of good cheer. Thou shalt not die. For our command is openly declared to thee, draw nigh. And having raised the golden scepter, he laid it upon her neck and embraced her and said, Speak to me. And she said to them, I saw thee, my Lord, as an angel of God, and my heart was troubled for fear of thy glory. For thou, my Lord, art to be wondered at, and thy face is full of grace. And while she was speaking, she fainted and fell. And then the king was troubled. And all his servants comforted her. And the king said, 
What wilt thou, Esther, and what is thy request? Ask even to half of my kingdom, and it shall be thine. And Esther said, Today is, is my great day. If then it seem good to the king, let both him and Amon come to the feast which I will prepare this day. And the king said, Hasten Amon hither, that we may perform the word of Esther. So they both came to the feast of which Esther had spoken. So please note, in this version of the story, you kind of get a little bit about why the king is like, hey, what, what is it that you want? You know, like, I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. And he's concerned for her because she's fainted now twice in front of him. First time she faints because he looks like he's severely angered that she appeared into uh, appeared in the throne room. But then it says that God changed his heart. And so he swiftly had a gentleness about him, and he got up quickly to check on her, and then she fainted again, and now he's a little bit troubled. And uh, so that kind of gives a little bit of context as, as to why he's thinking the things he's thinking and making the decisions that he's making. And so now they're going to come to Esther's feast. Verse 6, And at the banquet the king said to Esther, What is thy request, Queen Esther? Speak, and thou shalt have all that thou requirest. And she said, My request... And my petition are, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, let the king and Amon come again tomorrow to a feast, which I shall prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do the same. So Amon went out from the king very glad and merry. When Amon saw Mordecai the Jew in the court, he was greatly enraged. And having gone into his own house, he called his friends and his wife Zorsra, and he showed them his wealth and the glory which the king had invested him, and how he had caused him to take precedence and bear chief rule in the kingdom. And Amon said, The queen has called no one to the feast with the king but me, and I am invited tomorrow. But these things please me not while I see Mordecai the Jew in the court. And Zesara his wife and his friends said to him, Let there be gallows made for thee of fifty cubits, and in the morning... Do thou speak to the king, and let Mordecai be hanged on the gallows. But do thou go to the feast with the king, and be merry. And the saying pleased Amon, and the gallows were prepared. Chapter 6 But the Lord removed sleep from the king that night, and he told his servant to bring him the books the registers of daily events to read to him. And he found the records written concerning Mordecai, how he had told the king concerning the two chamberlains of the king when they were keeping guard and sought to lay hands on our taxis. And the king said, What honor and favor have we done for Mordecai? And the king's servant said, Thou hast not done anything to him. And while the king was inquiring about the kindness of Mordecai, behold, Amon was in the court. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Amon was come to speak to the king that he should be hanged that he should hang Mordecai on the gallows which he had prepared. And the king's servant said, Behold, Amon stands in the court. And the king said, Call him. And the king said to Amon, What shall I do to a man whom I wish to honor? And Amon said within himself, Who would the king honor but myself? And the king and he said to the king, For the man whom the king wishes to honor let the king's servants bring the robe of fine linen which the king puts on, and the horse on which the king rides. 
and let him give to one the king's noble friends, and let him array the man whom the king loves. And let him mount him on the horse and proclaim through the streets of the city, saying, Thus shall it be done to every man whom the king honors. Then the king said to Amon, Thou hast well said, So do to Mordecai the Jew, who waits in the palace. And let not a word of what thou hast spoken be neglected. So Amon took the robe and a horse and arrayed Mordecai and mounted him on the horse and went through the streets of the city and proclaimed, saying, Thus shall it be to every man whom the king wishes to honor. And Mordecai returned to the palace, but Amon went home mourning and having his head covered. And Amon related to the events that had been fallen him to Zorsa, his wife, and to his friends, and to his friends, and his wife said to him, If Mordecai be of the race of the Jews, and thou hast begun to be humbled before him, thou wilt surely fall, and thou wilt not be able to withstand him, for the living God is with him. And while they were yet speaking, the chamberlains arrived to hasten Amon to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Chapter 7 So the king and Amon went to drink with the queen. And the king said to Esther at the banquet on the second day, What is it, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? And what is thy petition? And it shall be done for thee to have my kingdom. And she answered and said, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, let my life be granted to my petition and my people to my request. For both I and my people are sold for destruction and pillage and slavery. Both we and our children are for bondmen and bondwomen, and I consented not to it. For the slanderer is not worthy of the king's palace. And the king said, Who is this that has dared to do this thing? And Esther said, The adversary is Amon, the wicked man. Then Amon was troubled before the king and the queen. And the king arose from the banquet to go into the garden. And Amon began to entreat the queen, for he saw that he was evil. He saw that he was in an evil case. And the king returned from the garden, and Amon had fallen upon the bed, entreating the queen. And the king said, Will thou even force my wife in my house? And when Amon heard it, he changed countenance. And Bogathan and one of the chamberlains said to the king, Behold, Amon has also prepared a gallows for Mordecai, who spoke concerning the king. And a gallows of fifty cubits high has been set up in the premise of Amon. And the king said, let him be hanged thereon. And so Amon was hanged on the gallows that had been prepared for Mordecai, and the king's wrath was appeased. Chapter 8 And that day King Artaxes gave to Esther all that belonged to Amon, the slanderer. And Mordecai was called by the king, for Esther had shown that he was related to her. And the king took the ring which he had taken away from Amon and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over all that had been Amon's. Please note, by the way, this that's the, one of the most beautiful parts of the story. Not only did the adversary, the enemy of God's people, fall into the very trap that he had prepared for God's people, but then Mordecai gets to be appointed over all of those things. So all the things that he that Haman sought for himself, all the glory and the wealth and the position that he had worked his whole life to get, 
through trickery and through evil and through mischief, which is what which is what all leaders do these days as well in our time, right? Like everyone in these high positions has gotten there by stepping on somebody else's throat and through lying and deceiving and harming others. But in the end, it was Mordecai, the man of God, who who received the fruits of all of they did. So Haman hangs on the gallows he prepared for Mordecai. And all of more, and all of Haman's position, wealth, property, is now given to Mordecai. I just think that's a beautiful picture. May it be, do, may it be so in our day. Verse three. And she spoke yet again concerning the king, and fell at his feet, and besought him to do away with the mischief of Haman and all that had been done against the Jews. And then the king stretched out to Esther the golden scepter, and Esther arose to stand near the king. And Esther said, If it seem good to thee, and I have found favor in thy sight, let an order be sent that the letters sent by Amon may be reversed that were written for the destruction of the Jews who are in thy kingdom. For how shall I be able to look upon the affliction of my people, and how shall I be able to survive the destruction of my kindred? And the king said to Esther, if I have given and freely granted thee all that was Amon's and hanged him on a gallows because he laid his hands upon the Jews, what dost thou yet further seek? Write ye also in my name, as it seems good to you, and seal it with my ring. For whatever orders are written at the command of the king and sealed with my ring, it is not lawful to gainsay them. So the scribes are called in the first month, which is Nisan. And on three and the twentieth day of the same year, and the orders were written to the Jews, whatever the king had commanded to the local governors and chiefs of the satraps from India to Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty-seven satraps, according to the several provinces, according to their dialects. As they were written by order of the king and sealed with his ring, and they sent the letters by the post, wherein he charged them to use their own laws in every city, and to help each other, and to treat their adversaries and those who attacked them, as they pleased. On one day, in all the kingdom of Artaxes, on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is Adar. And let the copies be posted in conspicuous places throughout the kingdom. And let all the Jews be ready against this day to fight against their enemies. And the following is a copy of the letter of the orders. So please note, here is the letter that was sent out. The great king Artaxes sends greetings to the rulers and provinces in 127 satrapies from India to Ethiopia, even to those who are faithful to our interest, many who have been frequently honored by the most abundant kindness of their benefactors, had conceived ambitious designs, and not only endeavored to hurt our subjects, but moreover, not being able to bear prosperity. They also endeavored to plot against their own benefactors. And they not only would utterly abolish gratitude from among men, but also elated by the boastings of men who are strangers to all that is good. They suppose that they shall escape the sin-hating vengeance of the ever-seeing God. And oftentimes evil exhortation has been partakers of guilt of shedding innocent blood, and has involved in immeritable calamities many of those who have been appointed to officers, offices of authority, who have been entrusted with the management of their friends' affairs, while men by false 
sophistry of an evil disposition have deceived the simple condor of the ruling powers. And it is possible to see this, not so much from ancient traditional accounts as it is immediately in your power to see it, by the examining what things have been wickedly perpetuated by the baseness of men unworthy holding power. And it is right to take heed with regard to the future that we may maintain the government in undisputed peace for all men, adopting needful changes and ever judging those cases which come under our notice with truly an equitable decision. For where is Haman, a Macedonian, the son of Amathes, in reality an alien from the blood of the Persians, and differing wildly from our mild course of government, having been hospitable, entertained by us, obtained so large a share of our universal kindness as to be called our father, and to continue the person next to the royal throne, reverenced at all, he, however, overcame by the pride of his station, endeavored to deprive us of our dominion, and our life having various and subtle artifices demanded for our destruction, both Mordecai and our deliverer, perpetual benefactor, and Esther, the blameless consort of our kingdom, with their whole nation. By these methods, methods he thought, having suppressed us in defenseless state, to transfer the dominion of the Persians to the Macedonians. But we find that the Jews, who have been consigned to destruction by the most abominable of men, are not male factors, but living according to the justice laws, and being the sons of the living God, the Most High and the Mighty, who maintains the kingdom to us as well as our forefathers, in most excellent order. Yea, will therefore do well in refusing to obey the letter sent by Amon the son of Amathides, because he that has done these things has been hanged with his whole family at the gates of Susa. Almighty God, having swiftly returned to him a worthy recompense, we enjoin you, then, having openly published a copy of, the copy of this letter in every place, to give the Jews permission to use their own lawful customs, and to strengthen them, that on the thirteenth day of the twelfth month of Adar, on the same self-day, they may defend themselves against those who attack them in a time of affliction. For in the place of destruction of the chosen race, Almighty God has granted them this time of gladness. Do ye therefore also among your notable feast keep a distinct day with all the festivities, that both now and hereafter it may be a day of deliverance to us, and who are well disposed towards the Persians. But to those that plotted against the memorial of destruction, and every city and province collectively, which shall not do accordingly, shall be consumed with vengeance by the spear and fire, and it shall be made, not only inaccessible to men, but most hateful to wild beasts and birds forever. And let the copies he posted in conspicuous places throughout the kingdom, and let all the Jews be ready against this day to fight against their enemies. So the horsemen went forth with haste to perform the king's commands, and the ordinance was also published in Susa. And Mordecai went forth, robed in royal apparel, and wearing golden crown, and a diadem of fine purple linen, and the people in Susa saw it and rejoiced. And the Jews had light and gladness in every city and province, 
wherever the ordinance was published, wherever the proclamation took place, and the Jews had joy and gladness, feasting and myrrh. And many of the Gentiles were circumcised and became Jews for fear of the Jews. So please note, before we read chapter 9 and 10, which are both very short, so we're about finished here, that's an interesting uh, conclusion there, right? So the letter goes out that, hey, you need, you should, if you're wise, ignore the first letter that went out. That was a deception made by Mordecai, who was trying to usurp the kingdom. Furthermore, the Jews are allowed to defend themselves in any matter necessary against those who would ignore this letter, which is telling you not to do that. But the most interesting part is the end here. So people were celebrating that Mordecai was arrayed and, and was, you know, was moved into that position of power. But also it says the Gentiles, some of them got circumcised and became Jews for the fear of the Jews. So that's very, very interesting to be taking place in Persia at this time. All right, let's read these last few verses. We got about 30 verses to read but for chapters 9 and 10 total. So this will only take a minute to wrap up our study this morning. Chapter 9. For in the twelfth month, on the thirteenth day of the month, which is Adar, the letters written by the king arrived. In that day the adversaries of the Jews perished, for no one resisted through fear of them. For the chiefs of the satraps and the princes of the royal scribes honored the Jews, for fear of Mordecai lay upon them. For the order of the king was enforced that he should be celebrated in all the kingdom. And in the city of Susa the Jews slew five hundred men, both Parnesians, Delphon, and Fazga, and Parhathada, and Barea, and Sarkbaka, and Macedonia, and Rophius, and Arceus, and Zabathus, the ten sons of Ammon, the sons of Amathides, the Bugian the enemy of the Jews, and they plundered their property on the same day. And the number of them that perished in Susa was rendered to the king. And the king said to Esther, The Jews have slain five hundred men in the city of Susa. And how thinkest thou they have used them in the rest of the country? What then dost thou yet ask, and it may be done for thee? And Esther said to the king, Let it be granted to the Jews so to treat them tomorrow as to hand the ten sons of Ammon. And he permitted it to be done, and he gave up the, to the Jews of the city the bodies of the sons of Ammon to hang. And the Jews assembled in Susa on the fourteenth day of Adar, and slew three hundred men, but plundered no property. And the rest of the Jews that were in the kingdom assembled and helped one another and obtained a rest from their enemies, and they destroyed fifteen thousand of them on the thirteenth day of Adar, but took no spoil. Please note, even if the government supports God's people, which has rarely happened throughout history, even if the government comes out and says, you know, honor these people and it, you need to do it by law or decree, you're still always going to have a multitude of people that despise the people of God who are jealous or they hate them or they feel like they're getting in the way of the things that they want to do, the unrighteous and godless things that they want to do. This is why there's so much hostility towards God's people today. Christian Christians have never been more hated 
in the last several hundred years than they are right now. Why? Because we're the only ones in opposition to your pedophilia and to your perversions and to all the evil that you want to do. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. Even though the decree from Xerxes went out that, hey, ignore that command to harm them, and B, they can defend themselves, there was still 15,000 that ended up dying as a result of trying to attack God's people. That's a lot of people in one day. All right, let's continue on. And they rested on the 14th day of the same month and kept it as a day of rest and joy and gladness. And the Jews in the city of Susa assembled also on the 14th day and rested and kept also the 15th day with joy and gladness. On this account, then it was the Jews dispersed in every foreign land, kept the 14th day of Adar as a holy day with joy, sending portions each to his neighbor. And Mordecai wrote these things in a book and sent them to the Jews, as many that were in the kingdom of Artaxes, both them and they that were near to them and that were far off, to establish these as a joyful days, to keep the 14th and the 15th of Adar, For on these days the Jews obtained rest from their enemies, and as to the month which was Adar, in which a change was made for them, from mourning to joy, from sorrow to a good day, to spend the whole of it in good days of feasting and gladness, sending portions to their friends and to the poor. And the Jews consented to this accordingly, as Mordecai wrote them, showing how Amon the son of Amathides in the Macedonia fought against them and how he had made a decree and cast lots to destroy them utterly, also how he went to the king telling him to hang Mordecai, but all the calamities he tried to bring upon the Jews came upon himself, and he was hanged and his children. Therefore these days were called Purim, because of the lots. For in their language they are called Purim because of the words of this letter, and because of all they suffered on this account, and all that happened to them. And Mordecai established it, and the Jews took upon themselves and upon their seed and upon those that were joined to them to observe it. Neither would they on any account have behaved differently. But these were to be a memorial kept in every generation and city and family and province. And these are the days of Purim, and they shall be kept forever, and the memorial shall not fail in any generation. And Queen Esther the daughter of Aminadab, and Mordecai the Jew, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote all that they had done, and the confirmation of the letter of Purim. And Mordecai and Esther the queen appointed a feast or fast for themselves privately, even at that time, also having formed their plan against their own health. And Esther established it by a command forever, and it was written for a memorial. Chapter 10, just a couple verses. And the king levied a tax upon his kingdom, both by land and sea. And as far as his strength and valor, and the wealth and the glory of his kingdom beheld. And they are written in the book of the Persians and Medes for a memorial. And Mordecai was, was viscery to the king Artaxes, and was a great man in the kingdom, and honored by the Jews, and passed his life beloved all his nation. And Mordecai said, These things have been done for God. For I remembered a dream which I had concerning these matters, for not one particular of them was failed. There was the little fountain which became a river, and there was a light, and the sun much water, and the river is Esther, whom the king married and made queen. 
and the two serpents are I and Ammon, and the nations that are are those nations that combine to destroy the name of the Jews. But as for my nation, this is Israel. Even they that cried to God were delivered, for the Lord delivered his people, and the Lord rescued us out of all of those calamities, and God wrought such signs and great wonders as have not been done among the nations. Therefore did he ordain two lots, one for the people of God and one for the other nations. And those two lots came for an appointed season and for a day of judgment before God and for all the nations. And God remembered his people and vindicated his inheritance. And they shall observe these days in the month of Adar and the fourteenth and the fifteenth day of the month with an assembly of joy and gladness before God throughout all the generations forever among his people Israel. And the fourth year of the reign of Potamolus and Cleopatra, Deshanius, who said he was a priest and a Levite, and Polomius, his son, brought this epistle of Purim, which they said was the same. And that Lemiscus, the son of Polomius, that was in Jerusalem, had interpreted it. And that, my friends, is the end of the book of Esther out of the Septuagint. And the conclusion of our study for the Feast of Purim for 2023. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you've been blessed and strengthened and encouraged and that these words have pierced your hearts and that you have a whole new understanding and appreciation for the book of Esther. I want to thank those of you who support the podcast. Couldn't do this without your help. And much support is always needed. If you've been blessed by this work, please consider supporting it by going to scriptureandprophecy.com and click on the Donate and Support tab at the top. If you're unable to do that, then your prayers are much appreciated. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.